Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 27 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. August 8th. In the afternoon, I preached to the Indians. Their number was now about 65 persons, men, women, and children. I discoursed upon Luke 14, 16 through 23, and was favored with uncommon freedom. There was much visible concern among them while I was discoursing publicly, but afterward, when I spoke to one and another more particularly, whom I perceived under much concern, the power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly like a mighty rushing wind and with an astonishing energy bore down all before it. I stood amazed at the influence which seized the audience almost universally and could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent or swelling deluge that with its insupportable weight and pressure bears down and sweeps before it whatever is in its way. Almost all persons of all ages were bowed down with concern together, and scarcely one was able to withstand the shock of this surprising operation. Old men and women who had been drunken wretches for many years, and some little children, not more than six or seven years of age, appeared in distress for their souls. As well as persons of middle age, it was apparent that these children, some of them at least, were not merely frightened with seeing the general concern but were made sensible of their danger, the badness of their hearts, and their misery without Christ, as some of them expressed it. The most stubborn hearts were now obliged to bow. A principal man among the Indians, who before was most secure and self-righteous, and thought his state good because He knew more than the generality of the Indians had formerly done, and who, with a great degree of confidence the day before, told me he had been a Christian more than ten years, was now brought under solemn concern for his soul and wept bitterly. Another man, advanced in years, who had been a murderer, a powwow or conjurer, and a notorious drunkard, was likewise brought now to cry for mercy with many tears, and to complain much that he could be no more concerned when he saw his danger so very great. They were almost universally praying and crying for mercy in every part of the house, and many out of doors, and numbers could neither go nor stand. Their concern was so great, each one for himself, that none seemed to take any notice of those about them, but each prayed freely for himself. 
I am led to think they were to their own apprehensions as much retired as if they had been individually by themselves in the thickest desert, or I believe rather that they thought about nothing but themselves and their own state, and so were everyone praying apart, although all together. It seemed to me that there was now an exact fulfillment of that prophecy, Zechariah 12, 10, 11, 12. For there was now a great morning, like the morning of Hadadrimmon, and each seemed to mourn apart. Methought this had a near resemblance to the day of God's power mentioned in Joshua ten fourteen. For I must say, I never saw any day like it. In all respects, it was a day wherein I am persuaded the Lord did much to destroy the kingdom of darkness among this people. This concern, in general, was most rational and just. Those who had been awakened any considerable time complained more especially of the badness of their hearts and those who were newly awakened of the badness of their lives and actions. And all were afraid of the anger of God and of everlasting misery as the desert of their sins. Some of the white people who came out of curiosity to hear what this babbler would say to the poor ignorant Indians were much awakened, and some appeared to be wounded with a view of their perishing state. Those who had lately obtained relief were filled with comfort at this season. They appeared calm and composed and seemed to rejoice in Christ Jesus. Some of them took their distressed friends by the hand, telling them of the goodness of Christ and the comfort that is to be enjoyed in him, and thence invited them to come and give up their hearts to him. I could observe some of them in the most honest and unaffected manner, without any design of being taken notice of, lifting up their eyes to heaven as if crying for mercy, while they saw the distress of the poor souls around them. There was one remarkable instance of awakening this day, which I cannot fail to notice here. A young Indian woman, who, I believe, never knew before that she had a soul, nor ever thought of any such thing, hearing that there was something strange among the Indians, came, it seems, to see what was the matter. In her way to the Indians, she called at my lodgings, and when I told her that I designed presently to preach to the Indians, laughed and seemed to mock, but went, however, to them. I had not proceeded far in my public discourse before she felt effectually that she had a soul, and before I had concluded my discourse, was so convinced of her sin and misery 
and so distressed with concern for her soul's salvation that she seemed like one pierced through with a dart and cried out incessantly. She could neither go nor stand nor sit on her seat without being held up. After public service was over, she lay flat on the ground, praying earnestly, and would take no notice of, nor give any answer to, any who spoke to her. I hearkened to what she said, and perceived the burden of her prayer to be, Gautamakalame wekame kamele nola, i.e., have mercy on me, and help me to give you my heart. Thus she continued praying incessantly for many hours together. This was indeed a surprising day of God's power and seemed enough to convince an atheist of the truth, importance, and power of God's word. August 9 spent almost the whole day with the Indians, the former part of it in discoursing to many of them privately, and especially to some who had lately received comfort, and endeavoring to inquire into the grounds of it, as well as to give them some proper instructions, cautions, and directions. In the afternoon, discoursed to them publicly. There were now present about 70 persons, old and young, I opened and applied the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, was enabled to discourse with much plainness and found afterward that this discourse was very instructive to them. There were many tears among them while I was discoursing publicly, but no considerable cry Yet some were much affected with a few words spoken from Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor, etc., with which I concluded my discourse. But while I was discoursing near night to two or three of the awakened persons, a divine influence seemed to attend what was spoken to them in a powerful manner which caused the persons to cry out in anguish of soul, although I spoke not a word of terror, but on the contrary, set before them the fullness and all-sufficiency of Christ's merits and his willingness to save all that come to him, and thereupon pressed them to come without delay. The cry of these was soon heard by others, who, though scattered before, immediately gathered round. I then proceeded in the same strain of gospel invitation till they were all melted into tears and cries, except two or three, and seemed in the greatest distress to find and secure an interest in the great Redeemer. Some who had little more than a ruffle made in their passions the day before seemed now to be deeply affected and wounded at heart, and the concern in general appeared nearly as prevalent as the day before. There was indeed a very great mourning among them, and yet, 
everyone seemed to mourn apart. For so great was their concern that almost everyone was praying and crying for himself, as if none had been near. Gautamahalamne, Gautamahalamne, i.e., have mercy upon me, have mercy upon me, was the common cry. It was very affecting to see the poor Indians, who the other day were hallooing and yelling in their idolatrous feasts and drunken frolics, now crying to God with such importunity for an interest in his dear son. Found two or three persons who, I had reason to hope, had taken comfort upon good grounds since the evening before, and these, with others who had obtained comfort, were together and seemed to rejoice much that God was carrying on his work with such power upon others. This concludes episode 27 of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.